it'll be on the screen. We're going to um, read the word. Uh, Dagmar was our Bible reader this morning, but she is not well, so I am going to read with you this morning from Matthew. So um, Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to begin, and we're going to whip over into Matthew 4 as we read. Matthew chapter 3, right down at verse 13, we'll begin. And this is um, the baptism of Jesus when Jesus is baptized. Let me read with you verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you, and, and, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Over to chapter 4, right at the start. And then, so then is after that, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Go figure. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, Well, it's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, because it's written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I'll give you, if you'll fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So far, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that as we look at that this morning, um, that it would speak to us, that it wouldn't just be words on paper or on a screen, but there would be jewels in there, gems, that will speak to us, that will make a difference in our lives. And we pray that in your name. Amen. So, at the risk of um, wearing out our welcome with this um, moving people in following Christ, we're still on moving people in following Christ. And essentially... What is that if it's not discipleship? If we're talking about moving other people, that includes ourselves, if we're moving people in following Christ, that's discipleship. We want people, we want ourselves to understand more, uh, more deeply and, and more appropriately what it means to follow Christ and we want to be able to do that to the people we meet, the, the people in our friendship circles, our neighbours, um, the people we minister to in mission settings. We want to lead people, we want to move people so that they follow Christ. 
And that's our theme for this year. And last month we looked at, the last month if you were around for some of the services, we were looking at um, discipleship in and through the family. We had uh, four baptisms. We had a ripper pro faith last week. Um, we had some great celebrations and we had some really good teaching around how discipleship happens in the family that it's not just an external thing that you send kids to christian school or to churches or to youth groups in the family some of the key discipleship happens so we had a great month about that and now we want to move and have a look at discipleship in the gospels when we look at the gospels when we look at matthew mark luke john and 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 i think glenn's going to push us into acts as well when we look at the gospels what do we learn about discipleship what do we understand about discipleship uh, being disciples and what do we learn about making disciples as well remember we've keep talking about it's not just the case it's not just the case that we're supposed to be disciples but we make them and it's an interactive thing and i would say that the, i would see, think that the gospels are a great place to look for that and jesus is probably the the best example and he happens to be the main character in the gospels the central character so we can learn heaps and I want to begin this morning by just right at the beginning. I, Jesus came to do the Father's will, uh, to represent the Father. Um, God the Father sent Jesus to earth to represent him, to do the will of the Father. He would be um, the ambassador to us of God the Father. He would be the one. Jesus once said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he represented the Father. He was sent to do that. He would need to follow the will of the Father. He knew what his Father's will was, and he would need to follow that. And we know that he did. We know that he did it with absolute dedication. And we know that he did that for us. We know why he came. We know that Jesus came to save us from our sin, to enable us to be in relationship with the Father. And he did that well. So if Jesus is our model, and if he's the one that we ultimately would like to emulate or to be like, then he's a logical place to start when we look at what it means to follow, how we become and be disciples. And I was reading, I've been reading through Matthew a little bit, and I was, took back, I was taken back to that about a week or two ago, because I think this gives us a little, an interesting look at a good place to start and a good place to learn when we're talking about discipleship. In Matthew 3, we see the baptism of Jesus. We read the end of, the ba the end of Matthew 3 where, where Jesus is baptized. And the first question that came up in my head, and I was reading some commentaries about that, did Jesus need to be baptized? Anyone ever thought that? Well, it's just in there. Did he need to be baptized? Considering baptism was, even in John the Baptist's days, baptism was a sign of commitment. It was a sign of um, submission, uh, of obedience. Um, it was, your sins are washed away. So my head goes to, wasn't Jesus already submitted and being obedient, just being here? Because the Father was saying, what? He didn't need his sins washed away, right? So what if his baptism wasn't for him? What if it was for us? Jesus was a demonstrator. I read one comment commentary that said jesus was a demonstrator for everything that we would need to understand what if his baptism was for us jesus would begin his journey with a lot of people watching it was quite uh, radical in those days jesus would begin his journey of representing the father by demonstrating to those watching and to us 
that he was committed, that he was fully submitted, that he was willing to be obedient, and that he was dependent on his father. And Jesus, those words in, 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 in the scripture there, in, in the end of Matthew 3, where he says, you know, John, it's proper, it's right for us to fulfill, to fulfill righteousness, it's proper for us to do this. And then we see that beautiful, those beautiful words, we see his father responding and affirming him, affirming his identity, you know, who Jesus is. He said, this is, again, this is in the presence of everyone. Imagine people watching. This is my son, and I'm pleased with him. So if Jesus is a demonstration, if his baptism is a demonstration of, of how we should be, of how we should respond, he demonstrates that to do the will of the Father, we must consciously and, and determinedly be actively committed, submitted, obedient, and dependent. Let me say those words again. If we're going to do the will of the Father, if we are going to move people in following Christ, if we're going to be disciples, then it's this active thing. It's not passive. Jesus got in the water with John the Baptist and said, no, we've got to do this. Let's do this. We've got to be actively committed, actively submitted to God, to someone above ourselves. And that's a hard thing, isn't it? Fully submitted fully committed and obedient. It can't be the old song, I did it my way. Remember that song, I did it my way? Uh, yeah, who sang that? Frank Sinatra. You know, we can't do that. You know, if I'm honest, my life sings that song a lot of the time. I don't sing that song. I'm not sure how cool it is. But my life sings that song. I did it my way. We've got to be surrendered. And these are words that raise our eyebrows nowadays. If you read the newspaper, if you, uh, if you even look at, if you, if you interact in schools or workplaces or wherever, these are not cool words, are they? Dependent, obedient, submission, committed. But for us to be disciples, Jesus is telling us, he's showing us, in fact, that we need to be committed, submitted, obedient, dependent. This is what was going to drive Jesus. This is what motivated him and empowered him in his ministry. He would go on to say, and we all know that, he would go on to say, you know what? I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only respond to things the way the Father uh, tells me to respond to things. I am 100% submitted to his journey, obedient to his call on my life. And this is what we need in order to begin our journey as disciples. Jesus didn't need his sins washed away. But we needed to see and hear the testimony of Jesus and the testimony of his Father. It was for us. So I've often, I've often wondered why that was there. I think it's really important for us to understand that even Jesus knew that to do the will of the Father... He was going to need a model, submission and commitment and we need to do the same. If we are going to follow Jesus, if we are going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to be disciples, we can't afford to do it our way. And that's what Jesus was saying. But then we move into chapter 4 and it says then, and it's kind of like, I'm, I'm not sure what the distance was between this is my son with whom I'm well pleased and then was. I'm not sure what the time was there. 
But the next thing we see is that Jesus is in the desert and we see him being tested and tempted. 40 days without food. I made a note, not a 40-hour famine. This is 40 days. And a few interesting things happen. And that, you know, what's going on here? What, wh- why do we need to see this? Why, why are we hearing this? Why is even this instructive for us? Why is it important for us to understand this? Well, because I think challenges come, don't they? It's very clear that in Jesus' in Jesus story here, challenges come. When, when we make a decision that we're going to go all out for Jesus, when we make a decision that we're going to be obedient to Him no matter what, that we're going to be committed to Him, that we're going to be submitted to Him, challenges come, tests come. And they're real, aren't they? I mean, most of us could tell stories of, you know, feeling like we've, we've been under challenge. If we start for God, as Jesus was, hardship and trials will and do come. Temptation is at the gate. It's always there. Jesus has a couple of great responses to Satan as we have a look. And before we, we, we dive into that, I just want to, an interesting thing I discovered, and I discovered it about five or six years ago, and I just discovered it anew. Each one of those quotes that Jesus says for the three temptations, you've got the three things where, you know, man shall not, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, do not tempt Jesus and worship the Lord only. Each one of those three quotes comes directly from Deuteronomy 6 to 8. You'll find them in there. And it's inter- interesting to see that Deuteronomy 6 to 8 was around the time that was God was establishing with his people then what it would mean if you want to be my people. What it was going to be if you were going to be my people in this world and you're going to go to the promised land, what it's going to be. How are you going to be committed to me? And it's interesting that Jesus, and it's not, you know, I'm not, this is not anointed or anything, but I think it's really interesting to see how the last time that we see clearly that God is setting out, you know, if you're going to be my people, it was then. And Jesus chooses to quote that, to mirror his father. So first we see Jesus hungry, and Satan comes to tempt him. The enemy always looks for a point of weakness. You know, Jesus is hungry, he's fasting, um, so the enemy probably thinks now, what could I tempt him with? Uh, a run? A gym session? Mm, no, he's fasted for 40 days. What's he likely to want most? What's likely, where's he likely to be the weakest? And that's what the enemy does. So... He tempts him with bread. He's, and, but the first thing he says, he says, if you are the son of God. Well, God just said, this is my son, didn't he, in the baptism? We just read that. But he challenges that straight away. First thing he does, if you are the son of God. He wants to see if he can rock his boat. This is my son. Jesus responds with reminding Satan that his source is his father. You'll see this, that quote in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. My survival is dependent on the Father's word and what he calls me to do. That's going to be eternal. That's what's going to make me live beyond my hunger. Not these breads. God has this in control and Jesus would live by that source. And God has a plan. His Father had a plan. And that's true for us as well. God has a plan and... and um, we don't want to mess it up by deviating at the first sign of hardship, the first sign of struggle that's, that Jesus went through. He didn't want to deviate. 
being a disciple and making disciples isn't always going to be easy. There will be temptations along the way in various ways. As I said before, sometimes we know that, sometimes we've experienced that. And as humans, <laughs> I'm thinking of myself here, and I'm, I'm thinking we're, I'm in good company. As humans, we look for relief. Uh, we look for quick fixes, or we try to find the way there where there is no suffering. Or am I my own in that? I don't think so. And that's not bad. I'm not saying that we should sort of see, let me look for suffering, you know. But as humans, we respond with that. But when it comes, when hardship comes, when it becomes difficult to follow Christ, when it becomes difficult to be a disciple, when it becomes difficult to make disciples, when it becomes difficult to be fully submitted, remember to stick with Jesus, with the source, with what Jesus did. What that means is you need to get to know the source. It's very easy for me to say, you know, you need to stick with, you know, how Jesus said, you know, um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. How do you get to know that without reading his word? How do you get to know that without speaking to him? How do you get to know that without relating to him? Without And yeah, there are disciplines behind that. And I'm, you know, if you're going to depend on the source, you've got to get to know the source. And that means understanding the word. It means understanding God's will. That means you're not as easily derailed at the first challenge. You know, the um, so many stories and, and books and things you write about people having these wonderful conversions and then the first challenge comes along and they fall off the perch. I think, you know, but for the grace of God, that's all of us. It's getting to know God. It's getting to know the source. Taking our eyes off the temptation. So then again, Satan, so that one didn't work. So then again, he says, if you are the son, here's another one. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say it again. If you are the son of God, put yourself in harm's way. And then the enemy quotes that whole thing because it says that his angels will come and save you and, and all this sort of stuff. The enemy's quoting Psalm 91. Psalm 91, 11 and 12, where, where the psalmist says, uh, talk, speaks a, a God encourages the psalmist to speak about his character. That whole psalm is written in the context of if you're on your way, if you're serving God as, a, as, a, as one of God's people and trouble is at the gate, trouble comes to you and you're under oppression for doing the right thing, then God will send his angels to sustain you. Not for putting your way, yourself in harm's way, just to test God, to see if he'll do it. Not an engineered challenge. Jesus again responds with a quote from Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 6.16. He says, do not put God to the test. See, the, um, the Israelites um, were getting everything. They, they, the Israelites were getting supplied everything they needed, and, but it was never enough. And so they whinge and they would say to Moses, let's do this, let's do this, let's try God, let's, let's whinge for this, let's have a go at this. Let's see if God really does love us. We don't think he loves us. See, it's a trust thing. No going maverick. Don't mistrust God by making him prove himself. You know, when you set out to follow God, you keep wanting to test the water. As disciples, we need to live lives that honor God and that honor the sanctity of life as well. You know, it was interesting. I was reminded of a story when I was a kid. My father was a, um, I don't know if they still call him that, he was a, proba a probation officer. Do they still call him that? 
uh, young kids that would get in trouble that were put on probation, he would go to court with them if they didn't have anyone to represent and he would just guide them through the court system. Then they would be on, the proba- on probation and they'd have to report to him, uh, I don't know how it all works, and, and for a season of time. So with troubled kids, he did some work. They had this training thing on in Melbourne. We lived in Gippsland down in Maui and they had this training thing on and there was another guy that was a, it was called a volunteer, an uh, uh, honorary probation officer they were called. There was another guy that was a probation officer with them and he said, I'll drive. This guy was from the local Pentecostal church. You know, now you'll understand why I'm saying that in a second. My dad got home that night, white as a ghost. And he says, I'm never driving with that man again. That's crazy. He said we were doing way over the speed limit and overtaking. In those days, there was no nice Minash freeway all the way. It was like, he said, it was crazy. The man, and I said, well, did you, and I think mum said I probably was too young. Did you say anything to him? He says, oh, he says, I belong to the Lord. I will be protected. It's not my time to go yet. I've had a word from, and we weren't real, we didn't understand all that in those days. And, you know, but I'm, I was <laughs> when I was doing this, I was reminded of that story. You know, don't put yourself in harm's way for the sake of it. You know, don't test God and say, I belong to God and I can do whatever because, you know, he's not going to, nothing's going to happen. And Jesus is saying to the enemy, I don't need to do that. I'm not going to put God to the test. I know that he loves me. We don't need to challenge or test God's commitment to us, and we shouldn't. I'm not saying that there's no danger or no risk or no adventure with God and His purpose. It's inherently risky to serve God and it's probably going to get more risky. But perhaps most of the risks we talk about are risks of not missing out on worldly stuff. Satan tries a third time. He tries one more time and now he tries to sell him the Sydney Harbour Bridge. He tries to give him something he can't. Just give yourself to me, surrender to me instead of the Father, and you can have it all. Check it out. Here's the world. You can have it. Sell yourself, sell out your call, and have all this. Again, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6. And this is a quote where God warned the Israelites. This is the golden calf incidents. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13 and 14. You'll see... um, that was God's response when they, when they raised up, when they, they melted all the, the gold and created this golden calf. And God said, you know, serve me only. No other gods before me. Don't serve anyone else because otherwise there are dire consequences. Jesus knows he has to set his sights on the Father and on his Father's will only. He knows that the journey, humanly speaking, isn't going to be easy. Remember, Jesus was fully human. So the nails were going to hurt. The slaps and the whips were going to hurt, physically hurt, like they'd hurt you and me. The thorns were going to hurt. The walking and the rejection and, and all of the things in the journey, it was going to hurt. The misunderstanding of the disciples not getting the message, it was going to annoy like any human being and frustrate. But Jesus knew he had to set his sights on the Father and his will and serve only him. It would never work to split his allegiances. And then certainly not with God's arch rival, Satan. He would be trading life for death. That's a bit the same for us. We need to be convinced and committed to serving God only. There will be and there are plenty of distractions. Plenty of attractions and other things that we could do. And I don't even need to go into the list. We know all that sort of stuff. We know the kind of things that can can draw us away from God. Or... Not even just draw us away from God, 
that can make us split our time or take away from the time that God wants of our attention. We can't. What Jesus is saying, you can't dilute your dedication. What Satan offers Jesus, he can't even deliver. It's deceit. And it's the same for us. The stuff that we try to chase in this world, the things that, that take so much of our energy and time, the things that, that we, we think are going to satisfy us, or we think we can fit in with this following God and, and being a disciple. Ultimately, they're deceit because they don't satisfy. They, they're, they're promising something they can't give us. They can't give us life. Because all of those things mean nothing when our life's under threat. And Jesus himself would later talk about what happens when we try to serve two masters. We lose. So even in these two examples, you've got the baptism. We need to see that. You've got the temptation. Jesus is reinforcing a message God gave his people long ago. If they would be God's people, if we would be God's people, if we will be disciples, then we must begin here. It won't always be easy. It won't always be without pain or without hardship, without challenges. You're not going to be able to go it alone. But you do need to make an active choice to be God's child, to be and belong to God. And if you belong to somebody then they get to, uh, speaking about this a few months ago when I was preaching, if you belong to them, they get to say what you do with your life, what you do with your stuff, what you do with your dreams, what you do with your, fill it in yourself. Make an active choice to be submitted, obedient, committed and dependent. Dedicate your life to Him really, not just a part of your life, because you belong to God. Know the source. Tap into the source yeah, get to know God, you know, tap into Him through the Word, through books, through people, through whatever. Tap into the source and stay with the plan even when it's tough. Live lives that honour God and trust Him. Remember your life was dedicated to Him and serve Him only. You cannot have a bigger goal or plan or have another agenda. One will suffer or both will. You know, that works too. You know, when you divide yourself, none of them work. And I think, we know this, I'm not telling you anything that's new, but it's such a good reminder for me because I just slip into this whole fitting in everything else into my life, fitting other dreams in, and finding out sometimes way too late that they actually clash with what I could do for God. I don't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean God doesn't want us to do anything else with our life, just sit in your lounge chair and wait till He says next. It's not what it's about. But you can't have a bigger goal and a plan. You can't have something that you can't have something that's so important in your life that it trumps God when he calls. That it means you can't respond to God when he calls. Because then you submitted to something else. Interesting thing, the next thing we see Jesus go do, and we're not going to preach around this morning, but I want to give you a little bit of a hint as we look ahead. The next thing Jesus says, because it says, and then, throughout the temptation, he began to preach. And then he picked his disciples. The next thing we see Jesus do is go and begin to preach. The whole purpose of being the son of the father, the whole purpose of us being followers is to begin mission. Jesus didn't sit and 
be a follower by just sitting and soaking it up. He got on mission and he says to his disciples, get on the road with me and that's how we're going to learn all this sort of stuff. This is the context for discipleship. It's dynamic. Discipleship is an on-the-way thing. Not just read your Bible or pray or be in a life group or a grow group or get to church services. or It's on the way. Get on doing what God's called you to do. Get on giving your life away, giving yourself away and continue to grow. Discipleship, moving people in following Christ for us and for others happens on the way. Discipleship happens while we're on mission. So get committed. Understand that you are called. Submit to follow and get on with it and learn. And we will learn so much. You know, I... An old um, pastor once said to me, um, I was just moaning about, and we've all done this, I think, in some time, uh, we're just moaning about, ah, I just don't feel God, or I don't hear Him, or I don't, you know, if I just knew what God wanted and He encouraged me, I'd get on with it. And he was an old guy, and he said to me, Andrew, just get on with it. And then take a look in your slipstream every now and then. You'll see God. Probably some of the wisest words I ever heard. Just get on with it. Get on with what you know God wants you to do and don't allow yourself to be distracted. Jesus had three opportunities to be distracted from an enormous thing that would have had that had enorm- has had enormous impact in our lives. And he knew that he couldn't afford to be distracted because it was a matter of life and death. For you and me, it's a matter of life and death. It really is. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your incredible love. Lord, we want to thank you that you um, moved first, that you moved to send your son Jesus to be an example, to be a testimony, to be a demonstrator to us of what it means to follow you. But most of all, you sent him so that we could first even be in a position to be able to do that, to be your kids. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you with our lives. Lord, we pray that uh, you would teach us, not just generically from the front of the church, but Lord, just each one of us individually, what that looks like, what submission looks like, what commitment looks like, what it might look like for us to be able to stand against the things that uh, quickly often come and tempt us, move us, distract us, divide us. Lord, help us to understand why we actually are even here on earth. The journey isn't ours. You know, I often use that language, this is my journey in life and, and my life. It's your life. Lord, teach us what it means to dedicate it to you. And Lord, as we do that as individuals and you grow us as a community, Lord, Teach us to be making followers of Christ. Teach us to be moving other people to follow Christ the way that we are. So that we can say, like like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And as Jesus says, I will serve him only. Help those words to come from our mouth as well. In Jesus' name, amen.